turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day weekend. It's another Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And I'm probably listening to this show right now because I don't have to get up on Monday morning, which is fantastic. And we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to have news and notes to get to. Uh, but first, how can you follow me? Very easily on Twitter, at Al Gattulo. Instagram, at Gattulo. That's G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O. Facebook.com. Slash AG Craft Beer Cast uh, via email at Albert G at NYC Radio.com. Uh, iTunes and Google Podcasts. You just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can find the shows on those platforms. We're Alexa Ready as well. We're on Odyssey.com, iHeartRadio, uh, uh, and of course, the Hopped Up Network. Head over to the HoppedUpNetwork.com. You can listen to the podcast version of this show, usually uh, a few minutes after it ends, and you can listen to it, download it, and listen whenever you feel like it in its entirety. It's very cool. Now, coming up in 10 minutes, Dave Benfield. He is the owner of Duclaw Brewing in Maryland, and he's going to join me, Baltimore, Maryland specifically. 25 years in the business, and he's got a unique perspective on what has been going on in the beer industry, especially during the pandemic. Now, that's going to come up in about 10 minutes from now. We're going to do two segments with Dave, um, and then we'll do Suds and Duds. We took a hiatus from Suds and Duds last week because we did... Three parts with Wild East Brewing, which I hope you enjoyed that interview. And again, you can listen to all the interviews if you want. We have a po- we have a podcast page you can go to. I should tweet the link out on the podcast page every once in a while because sometimes people miss stuff, and you know you want to go back and maybe listen to something that you missed. But it was great to hang out with the folks from Wild East Brewing in Brooklyn. Um, a nice little enclave of brewing, as I like to call it, in the in the general vicinity. You can go to one spot, and you can then you can hit um, three other breweries in addition to the one that you're at. Uh, at just a short distance away, which is really good, and saves yourself on the Uber because you can walk. See, I, I try to give you, I try to uh, save you a little bit of money because, of course, you're going to be buying beer, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so let's dive into news and notes. After a year-long hiatus due to the pandemic, CoFest Company LLC has announced that the Hops and Harvest Festival is going to take place Saturday, October second, twenty twenty-one, at Merriweather Park at Symphony Woods. It's in its fifth year, the Hops and Harvest Festival, quickly becoming a popular place to enjoy unlimited tastings of beer, wine, and spirits while enjoying fresh local food and some of the area's best bands. Attendees will enjoy live entertainment by local favorites, the Kelly Bell Band, DJ Chris Tharp, and Miss Moon Rising. Uh, They're going to have lawn games, food vendors, craft artisans, distilleries, wineries, local breweries as well. Uh, It takes place from noon to 5 p.m. on Saturday, October 2nd. It's 23 acres uh, over at Symphony Woods. This is in Columbia, Maryland. Uh, and you're going to have a lot of space to social distance. 
Um, it's gonna. It's just gonna be a really nice time to. Uh, for more information and to purchase tickets, you can visit hopsandharvestfest.com. A new microbrewery and beer garden could be coming to Hudson, New York. Union Street Brewing Company recently sent a proposal to the city's planning board to remodel a warehouse at 716 Union Street to make way for a 5,000-square-foot brewery. Hudson Valley 360 reports the planning board will review the proposal next month and schedule a public hearing. Those behind the brewery, which could open in 2023, say it will mainly attract foot traffic. They plan to obey the city's ordinance prohibiting loud music past 11 p.m. So uh, another brewery coming to uh, upstate New York very, very soon. Well, very soon. A couple of years. But, you know, hey, listen. Uh, these things take time uh, to plan and to build and to get approvals as well. It's a lot of times you want to get going right away. It's government that holds you up with a lot of restrictions and inspections and all kinds of other stuff. The Oyster Bar at Grand Central Station is reopening New York City's beloved seafood destination, forced to shutter for nearly 17 months due to the pandemic. But on September 7th, guests will be welcomed back. And the Oyster Bar hit particularly hard because so much of its business comes from commuters and tourists at the train station, and those numbers, of course, plummeted during the pandemic. A lot of pe- Obviously, people were home and not using the trains. But the 108-year-old restaurant now hopes for a resurgence will be open for lunch and dinner with socially distanced seating. So uh, that's great news for those that are going to Grand Central Station and the Oyster Bar, which is great. Yingling, uh, back on August 22nd, officially... Uh, their beers are available across the state of Texas. Beers like the iconic Yingling Traditional Lager, Light Lager 99, Golden Pilsner, and Flight by Yingling, that's the next generation of light beer, uh, all introduced to the state of Texas. Fans can stay up to date on where to find these iconic brands at their nearest Texas retailer, bar, or restaurant by monitoring the Find Our Beer link. It's at yingling.com slash findourbeer. Uh, it is uh, a fit, It makes Texas the first state in the Yingling Company joint venture of Yingling and Molson Coors, to increase Yingling's reach outside its current 22-state East Coast footprint. So for those of you in Texas that are drinking Yingling for the first time, enjoy and cheers. Uh, the Colorado Brewers Guild uh, and Salida Chamber of Commerce have announced the participating breweries at the 25th annual Colorado Brewers Rendezvous. It's a third annual preview uh, that starts before the event, uh, which is a more intimate setting featuring 20 Colorado craft brewers. They'll be pouring their specialty beers that are exclusive to the previews, uh, this the evening event limited to a hundred people. Tickets cost forty bucks. It includes unlimited tasting of beers and appetizers. Um, the the preview will be held on Friday, October first, from six to eight thirty p.m. The Colorado Brewers Reserve uh, Rendezvous, excuse me, occurs on Saturday, October second at one p.m. VIP begins uh, at noon for that. Uh, this is over at uh, two twenty West Sackett Avenue in Salida, Colorado. Uh, the Colorado Brewers Rendezvous is at Riverside Park, 110 Sackett Avenue in Salida, Colorado. A lot of different breweries are going to be there, um, uh, including Weldworks, Broken Compass, uh, Elevation Beer, Odell Brewing, Southcraft Horse and Dragon Brewing. Lots of different breweries that are going to be there. Uh, it's a reduced capacity event. They're going to allow for social distancing. Um, masks will not be enforced, but they are recommended for unvaccinated guests, at both the pre- especially for the previews. That's both indoors and outdoors. So, of course, be careful for that. Our friends from Alosta Brewing, uh, on Saturday, September 11th, they're releasing their 2021 Oktoberfest. They're going to have German food from Bratzerman, ice cream from Scoops on Tap, German music, some sweet new boot glasses to celebrate the occasion. It's a free event. It'll run all day from noon to 11 p.m. 
Boot glasses with beer combo will be available for sale. Stay tuned for those details. Once we get them, we'll pass them along. We'll put them on the Craft Beer Cast page. So you can uh, click on that if you're in the area in Covina, California, and want to get over there. In fact, Alosta won a, a gold medal for their helmet beer, their Kolsch, that they did in conjunction with the heavy metal band Helmet. Uh, and so kudos to them for winning that medal. I believe they won it locally in California. That's a, that's great news. The uh, the Kolsch was very good. I really enjoyed that uh, a lot. And I keep saying this. I'm going to make a trip back to California uh, soon. I've got some stuff to straighten out with my mom's estate, um, you know, finishing up that stuff. But once I do, uh, I'm planning on um, a couple of different little trips. Um, one of them with my wife. One is going to be solo that I'm just going to kind of uh, do a relaxing vacation where I'm going to be somewhere in the sand and beach somewhere to stick my toes in. But then I'm I'm planning a beer trip back to California. I really want to get back to Cali, um, San Diego specifically, but then I want to uh, uh, I want to um, I want to get over to Covina, California, and check out uh, a Lost of Brewing when I get a chance. Now, from Five Boroughs Brewing, our friends there, Oktoberfest is back on Saturday, October 9th. The Tap Room is going to be uh, kind of a, roll- a rollicking beer hall, a little Bavaria right in the heart of Brooklyn. They're going to have traditional tunes, specialty beers, delicious eats from Baba's Pierogies, uh, and a hotly contested stein holding competition. It's one liter steins that you'll have to hold up. That kicks off at 3 o'clock. The party starts at noon. It runs till 6 p.m., they recommend arriving early so that you can secure your spot. Uh, Five Boroughs is a great little place in Brooklyn. It is kind of off the beaten path. Um, there's not a lot of parking around there, and public transportation is very limited uh, in that area. Um, but you definitely want to check out Five Boroughs Brewing. It's a, great, it's a great place. They make some excellent beer. And then finally, our friends from Indeed Brewing uh, are distributing Boone Hard Kombucha in 16-ounce cans. Uh, this is called Boone Blueberry Basil. It was released on draft in Minneapolis and the Milwaukee Tap Rooms back in January. Cans are already appearing in the Twin City area liquor stores. Uh, they'll be appearing in Wisconsin in cans a little bit later on. Boone is Indeed's latest innovation in the Beyond Beer category, the first hard kombucha made in Minnesota. It's also the brewery's first gluten-free alcoholic offering. Uh, in July, Boone Blueberry Basil was awarded gold in the hard kombucha category of the 2021 CanCan Award. So uh, kudos to the folks from Indeed Brewing. Look, folks, you know, I know that we're still dealing with this pandemic and a lot of things are being canceled. We're seeing things, you know, the Weldworks Invitational I reported last week uh, was being canceled because they really weren't sure brewers were pulling out, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, some places are forging ahead. Uh, they're encouraging more vaccinations. Um, we're seeing a lot of people that aren't vaccinated that are going into the hospital and those that are vaccinated, if they do catch COVID, it's a very, very mild case of it. So again, be careful, um, be smart. My suggestion would be to get the vaccine. If you decide that you're not going to get it, you know, I get it, freedom of choice, and that's on you. But uh, I would, you know, I would tend to err on the side of caution uh, and get it. But again, that's just my personal opinion. I know people are going to give me uh, grief for saying, oh, you should be telling people what to do. We've seen the numbers. It seems that the vaccines are certainly working to reduce the symptoms uh, of COVID-19 if you catch it. Now, when we come back after a short break, Dave Benfield, the owner of Duclaw Brewing in Maryland, will join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, you can follow me very easily on Twitter at Algatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A T U L O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Of course, we're on iTunes and Google Podcasts. You just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can uh, find the shows there. Alexa Ready as well. We're on Odyssey.com, iHeartRadio. And finally, we're, all, of course, always available on the Hopped Up Network. You head over to the hoppedupnetwork.com. You can check out my, pad, my podcast or the many others that are available for your listening pleasure. And my next guest is the founder of a brewery. It's been open for 25 years in Baltimore, Maryland. He's seen a lot in the years when craft beer was an afterthought for so many people. And really, when they started, craft beer really didn't exist in the mainstream. Let's put it that way. For more info... Just go to DeClawBrewing.com. Let me welcome to the Craft Beer Cast for the first time on AM 970, The Answer, Dave Benfield. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, and how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, you started, Dave, like so many others, uh, as a home brewer, and then after a couple of years of working in the family business, uh, an electric company, you decided to take a shot at doing craft beer uh, as a profession uh, to make money. Now, And you did it at a time when nobody was opening a business based around beer. Did people think you were crazy? Uh, yeah, very much so, especially uh, where I live in Maryland and where we opened up, it was dominated by Coors Light. Right. And so we even showed up the first few weeks that we were open, it, it was they didn't even know what they were drinking. And we heard that a lot. Re- really? So when you, when you first opened, what were the styles that you guys were brewing? So we opened up with a blonde ale, uh, Meritson, um, a blackberry wheat, okay. um, and a brown ale and a porter. All right. And so people thought, you know, they were like, well, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't the watered down Coors Light that I usually drink. What, what's going on here? And then, you know, how, I mean, well, I guess I shouldn't say how long did it take, but obviously it took some time to convert people over to say, Hey, this beer is good. And it's actually, you're helping out a small business, and we're looking to, you know, to expand and to thrive. How long did, was that process uh, between when you opened and really where it started to take off for you guys? Uh, probably a couple of years. We opened in 96, and then we were able to open up a second restaurant um, about 35 minutes away from the original one mm. in 2001. So right around that time, 2000, so it was about three to four years okay. to, to really latch on. Um, just convincing people of different styles. Uh, that was right about the time, too, in 2000, we started doing monthly releases of new styles. So we would bring out a new beer each month um, to try to create that variety. And, and you know, when you guys opened, obviously, was the plan to always open it with a restaurant attached? Like, you weren't thinking initially, I'm just going to open a place that just serves beer. You had to have some type of food component. And I understand that states are different. In New Jersey, where I live, it's, you know, if you open a brewery, you have to be a brewery unless you're a brew pub. And, you know, there are so many different rules and regulations. When your first business model was essentially around, you know, having a food component to it so that you could draw more people in. Is that right? Well, yeah, and there's two licenses in Maryland. You either a production brewery where you didn't have a tap room, you just canned or bottled product, or you had to be a restaurant that had a brewery, and I had to sell at least 50% food. So you had to fully commit to the restaurant side. Um, I would have loved to have been just a tap room or have a smaller food selection, but you had to have at least 50% of your sales that way. 
Um, there was good things though with it is you got to see customers and got to understand customers on a daily basis. So you could see taste changes, everything else that you needed to, to understand the market. Um, but yeah, we had to be a restaurant whether we like it or not. We're talking with Dave Benfield. He's the founder of Duclaw Brewing, located in Baltimore, Maryland. For more info on the brewery, you just go to DuclawBrewing.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. When was it, Dave, that you guys started to uh, distribute your beer beyond uh, Maryland? So it was around 2010, 2011. Wow. Um, we got into 12-ounce uh, bottles. We had done some 22-ounce releases. Mm. Um and it, we actually started to look at uh, building a larger brewery because we were looking to add more restaurants. Um, but then we decided, well, why don't we package it just to do that also? And that started going so well by 2011, mm-hmm. we kind of abandoned the restaurant side and just focused on beer. And and what, that's interesting. So it wasn't until 2010 that you really started to distro outside of Maryland. Was it uh, was it always a thought to get your beer? to other states or was it kind of just, Hey, let's focus on what we do best here in this area. Cause I'm assuming there was some type of local distribution, uh, before you guys opened up, you know, uh, t- uh, nationally, correct? Well, we started in 2010, uh, with, wow. with package. We were fully draft only in our restaurants gotcha. up to that point. And then it just kind of took off. It went crazy in a six month period. Uh, we never thought about expanding outside the state and then as soon as we started packaging in Maryland, we had a distributor from Southern PA that is right across the Maryland border right. where we are. And they were like, hey, we're getting calls for your product up here. Would you want to distribute up here? And then just kind of took off from there. Well, that see, that's pretty good. Isn't that, isn't that good, though, when you get that phone call from somebody that says, hey, listen, uh, I've had your beer in another state. We've got to get it here. How can we do that? And you kind of, you know, maybe it opens your eyes a little bit. To, oh, wow. There are other people that are drinking this beer, not so much in the pub, but, you know, but elsewhere. Maybe they're bringing it home or whatever. That's got to be a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah. And I remember it actually when we launched in Philadelphia. It was one of the first times walking in, you know, to a city and you knew it, but it's not you're comfortable with. And seeing your beer in restaurants is, is an incredible feeling. And in 2017, you guys did have a downturn, and I saw it around here in the local area uh, in terms of the Hazy Juicy IPA, which, if I'm correct, you guys were not making something like that at the time. You were sticking with the beers that you had. Why do you think things took a downturn in 2017? Was it that so many more people were opening up breweries? Was it the change of styles that people were drinking? What was it? So I think it was a lot to do. There was a lot of small tap rooms opening up, so you had a lot of variety and then ourselves, where we have a distribution model along with it, distributors don't like that variety. Right. So they want you to stick with your three or four cores. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're perceived as, here are your three or four beers, even though you might do others. But, you know, I have a new beer every single day or every single week. Right. And eventually, you know, we would always release new beers. We were always into that, and we just kind of pushed through and stuck with it. But we were perceived as the people who made Sweet Baby Jesus, and that's all they thought of us. They right. didn't see any of the other beers, and our distributors didn't want them until they finally did. Plus, distributors were picking up a lot of those uh, small local shops and riding that wave, too, so you got ignored. So kind of got hit from, like, all sides. Yeah, and that's, and that's not necessarily a good thing. But one of the things that you did do 
uh, to change those perceptions in 2017, you did solicit contributions uh, and ideas from all of your employees and not just the brewers themselves to create beers. Is that how Unicorn Farts came about? Uh, yeah, Unicorn, we were um, decided we wanted to do a collaboration with a local donut shop called Diablo Donuts. They make crazy, amazing donuts. And we were down there in a meeting, and they had a donut that had Fruity Pebbles on it um, and called Unicorn Farts, so we started it. But then it was a group effort. We had um, people from the marketing side or sales side came with the idea of let's put edible glitter in there because if you're going to make a donut or a beer that tastes like Fruity Pebbles based off a donut, you just kind of got to own it right? go right. all out. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then distributors pushed back on the name, but then the sales team was adamant that we're just not going to change the name. So it has become, like every beer is kind of a, very big group effort. So many people contribute small things and big things. But Dave, did you ever think, and we're talking with Dave Benfield, the founder of Duclaw Brewing, located in Baltimore, Maryland. Did you ever think when you first started out making beer that at some point in this journey that you'd be adding donuts to a mash or you'd be adding all of these different adjuncts to product? And, you know, know, everybody talks about beer as being these four simple ingredients. Did you ever think at some point you were going to be adding these things to beer? No, no. And when you look at it, it's uh, actually was talking to a roommate of mine from college, and they were just talking about the beers you come up with. And I was like, I don't think there's anything we would hesitate putting into a beer as you're trying it because, right. you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you're just trying a new grain or a new hop right. was groundbreaking. And now you're you're trying to figure out how you get whatever this spice is and break it down and mechanically all the stuff we have to do to make sure we get stuff into a product and it absorbs well and what happens. Exactly. Exactly. We're talking with yeah. Dave Benfield, the founder of Duclaw Brewing, located in Baltimore, Maryland. For more info, just go to DuclawBrewing.com. We're here on the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. I want to take a quick break, come back with Dave. We're going to chat about some of the beers that they are re-releasing now that they're 25 years in existence, and obviously fans want certain beers that are back. We'll talk to uh, Dave about that and so much more right after this on the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Part two of our interview with uh, Dave Benfield, the founder of Duclaw Brewing, located in Baltimore, Maryland. You know these guys. Yeah, they're more than just sweet baby Jesus. They're more than just unicorn farts. They make a lot of great beers that you can uh, get, uh, whether it's uh, you go direct to the brewery or ask you to distribute it. They're in a number of different states around here in the tri-state area. For more info, just go over to DuclawBrewing.com. Dave, let's talk about the beers You've decided to re-release. Um, were you guys just waiting for the 25 years to pass to get some of these out there? Or were, were people really adamant, hey, you've got to release you know, X beer that I loved and I had it 15 years ago and I want it again? Uh, we're getting a lot of that. Um, we've, uh, between Venom, Serum, some of our beers that came out originally back in 97, 98, right. uh, we're always getting calls. Um, so we took the... 25th anniversary is the time to do it, uh, bringing Venom out um, and Sarami and then Naked Fish. Okay. Uh, all three of those were 
the three that we whittled it down to. So let's talk about Venom, which apparently, according to um, the, the notes that I'm reading here, is one of your absolute favorites. This is, you know, just a, a, a regular West Coast IPA. Is that the style of this beer? Yep. Yep. It's, um came out in 97, and the best way you kind of describe it to people, because we're heavily influenced, but Sierra Nevada Pale Ale okay. was... You know, a very big beer, sure. brand, groundbreaking back then. Right. And we wanted to do something in that vein. It has a little bit more hop presence and character to it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a tough one for us because there wasn't a lot of IPAs or pay, hoppy pale ales out then. So it was kind of a shock to a lot of people's taste buds. Sure. Um, but we loved it. Um, and it was kind of the go-to um, for us for years, and was one of our first 12-ounce bottle releases, too. You know, what's interesting... I had to go to... I'm oh, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, what's interesting about it is the fact that you made a beer... Usually, a lot of people that will make a West Coast IPA, they want to pack it with a lot of punch and really a- amp up the ABV, uh, you know, to like 8 or 9%, but you kept this, uh, you know, below 7, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. We, uh, when it came out at the time, and a lot of our beers over the years have influenced as being that restaurant. So we still had to make beers that were approachable mm-hmm. um, if you're having food uh, and went well with different foods. And at the same time, not kind of knock you on your butt because right. two or three of them, you know, you're feeling a little tipsy. Right. So uh, we felt it was that good balance. But Dave, I wonder, when you are making beers, and I've asked this before of other brewers, are you always... In the presence of my, I know you know everybody wants their beer to stand on their own. But when you're making a beer, does fo- does that food component come into mind? Whether or not you own a restaurant or not, or whatever, does that food component come into mind when you're making uh, when you're making beer to see to make sure that it pairs up with with a particular food? Uh, sometimes I think more that we do is you know what are people doing when they're drinking the beer? So if you're going to be grilling and so on that's how we look at it is okay yes does it work well with you know grilled steaks or fish or whatever it goes and then sometimes you're just saying i'm trying to get this crazy flavor out of it um and we don't care um like unicorn farts right uh, or you have that popping tart and fruity pebbles flavor but uh for example naked fish the chocolate raspberry stout Mm -hmm. um you know you're looking saying hey this is you know Roughly when it starts to turn a little cool, you're on your deck, you're outside, um, and you're most likely going to have whatever meal that night. You want it to work well with it, but not overwhelm it to where all you're getting is raspberries for everything you have. Exactly, exactly. And so the three beers that uh, Duclos is coming out with for the 25th anniversary or re-releasing, the Pastryarchy Naked Fish, which we just talked about, the Imperial Stout with chocolate raspberry coffee, cocoa nibs, cocoa powder, and red raspberry juice. Sour Me This, which, of course, started the whole Sour Me craze, which, by the way, I love the sour uh, beers that you guys have done. Just a really, really nice job. And, of course, Venom, their uh, IPA that really started it all uh, back in 1997. The big thing, Dave, that everybody seems to be doing now is hard seltzer. Uh, I'm assuming that you guys have not jumped into this market. Are you guys planning on doing a, a hard seltzer, or are you just leaving that to other people? We looked at it, and we've always had a thing. If we can't make it better, and not trying to tout a horn and say make it better, but if you just can't improve on it, mm-hmm. then why would someone come to your product? Right. If there's already good product out there, 
And we took a long, hard look, and we just said that it's just not for us. Uh, it's a very crowded market, and um, really because of the locale, and you're left with is a, is a, a ton of extract flavors, um, getting most of your flavor from it. So we just, it's not for us. We'd prefer to go down, you know, the sourmi and the pastryarchy and the whole line of, of IPAs that we're looking at, and then the other beers that we do. Uh, that we've not done for years, like Retribution or Colossus. Right. Talking with Dave Benfield, the founder of Duclaw Brewing, located in Baltimore, Maryland. For more info on the brewery, you can just go to duclawbrewing.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, Dave, in your opinion, and you've seen plenty of breweries open and close over 25 years, I'm sure that you've gone to other places and sampled their beers, whether it be in a tap room or a brew pub or whatever the case may be. What is, in your opinion, the biggest mistake a brewery has made when they initially open? Um, I think uh, for a lot of people, and we were one of them, but we were just lucky in 96 that um, you just didn't have this level of quality beer out. It's a big jump going from home brewing to brewing on a professional scale on a repeatable basis to make sure you have product and to... Uh, consistently make the beer that way, and then customers. You're still in a customer service industry, right. and you gotta you gotta take care of them, and you get a lot of stuff going on. But it, the equipment, handling everything, just running a business. Um, and we made our mistakes when we first opened with our beers. But uh, you know, for better or worse, you didn't have the internet, so when you did make the mistake, it didn't go viral. <laughs> Um, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you didn't have Yelp thing. and Untapped and all this other stuff telling you that your beer stinks and and all that other nonsense. No, I get that. But what yeah. I mean, when when you're initially brewing, and obviously people are telling you before you start, oh, your beer is great, and this and that. What? How do you feel when you're getting that feedback from strangers that say to you? Well, it doesn't really taste where it did you know right away that maybe the upscaled version of it to to put it on that level it it wasn't good or were you were you kind of stubborn to say no 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 i know my beer is good i'm just going to keep doing it this way did it take a while to change or were you able to shift gears uh quickly if things were not coming out consistently the way you wanted yeah we moved pretty quick the one thing that we kind of always said as a brewer is not even just your recipes it's knowing what the beer should taste like and what your customers want. So if you're bringing out a new style that they've never had and they just got to get used to it, um, that's one thing. But, you know, you know when you miss your mark and you're not the flavor you want um, and you make those changes right away. Um, You look at it and say, okay, I was a little off, especially sometimes in today's world where you're adding an ingredient that you never worked with before. Mm -hmm. You just don't know how much flavor impact it has. And then you have to alter very quickly um so it's not being stubborn you have to have confidence but you got to listen to your customers i mean there that's what you're making the beer for is your customers absolutely because if you don't have customers then you don't have a product and then you're out of business and and you yourself didn't really have anyone to lean on for advice especially when you first started i mean there was not that many brewers out there in 1996 i mean samuel adams was out there obviously sierra nevada but those were bigger companies at that point that maybe you really couldn't lean on uh, for advice, have have brewers come in to ask you for advice before they're saying, you know, they're going to open up uh, a place, whether it's in in uh, in Maryland or maybe elsewhere? Have they come in and tried to bend your ear a little bit? Yeah, our, that's the great thing about the craft beer industry is um, there's a lot of help 
Um, a lot of people come to us when we opened up our larger, our last brewery, because mm-hmm. we built three breweries technically along the way. Uh, you know, we visited Trogues and Victory and and, and kind of spent their year to figure out things and you were paid in kind. You know, people come in, they, they're trying to get an idea of either mechanical equipment, tanks, so on, or how do you, you know, the monotonous stuff. How do you work your your, you know, your sanitary, your sewer system, mm-hmm. you know, how do you handle spent grain, so on and so forth. So, yep, you get a lot of them come in and, and you help out as best you can because you've, you've been helped out the whole way too. Right. Not at the beginning though. There was no one, absolutely yeah. zero. Yeah. So that, I mean, that must've been a scary thing way back then when you knew if it didn't work, wow, you were going to have to go back to something else. Dave, my last question for you, uh, somebody is listening to this right now. They're planning on opening up a brewery. They're putting all the stuff together or whatever. What's the most important piece of advice that you could give that person uh, as they're getting ready to open? It's knowing what you want to do with the beer. You have 10 seconds to convince someone if they want to buy that product or they like that product. So it's the it's knowing what you want it to taste like, knowing how you want them to perceive it, the name, the concept, and being able to kind of pitch that in 5 to 10 seconds, that elevator pitch. If you can do that, then people will like the beer. If you have great liquid, but they don't understand it, they're not going to go with it. If you have a great cool name and concept, but the liquid's lackluster. So it's that combination of all three. Sounds good. My guest has been Dave Benfield, the founder of Duclaw Brewing located in Baltimore, Maryland. They're celebrating 25 years as a brewery. For more information, just go to duclawbrewing.com. Dave, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Congrats on 25 years and many more to come, sir. Thank you. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer: Another rainy night without you from Queensrÿche from their Empire album, and um, in just a couple of weeks, actually uh, Monday, the Monday after next. That's right. I'm going to see Jeff Tate uh, down at the Count Basie, or actually, what is it? What do they call it now? The um, it's not the Revel. It's something else. They're calling it something else. I, I forgot. There's an adjacent theater to the Count Basie. Um, and um, Jeff Tate is performing with his band Operation Mindcrime. And they are doing Empire um, and Rage for Order in their entirety. So I am, like, super excited because, uh, em- you know, I, I, Empire is the follow-up to Operation Mindcrime. I wasn't 100% sold on. It's got some great tracks on it. It's actually the first time that I saw Queensryche on a tour. Uh, got free tickets from WNEWFM, the first radio station that I worked for, because Silent Lucidity was the big hit. They were giving tickets away. Nobody from the radio station wanted to go, and I ended up going and taking a bunch of listeners as well as a bunch of my friends because we had so many tickets and, and got to see uh, Queensryche for the first time. They opened they opened for Metallica, if I'm not mistaken, the Injustice for All tour. 
But um, th- that and Rage for Order, Rage for Order is one of my favorite Queensryche albums. Operation Mindcrime is my favorite, but Rage for Order, the album that preceded that, is a tremendous, tremendous album. You could see the direction they were going in, even if their outfits didn't exactly match up with what they were doing. Um, they were going for the glam look on Rage for Order, and it kind of didn't fit with the album, but I digress. Anyway, let us dive into Suds and Duds. Lots of stuff to get to. Let's fire it off with Poptical Illusion uh, by Imprint. This is uh, the this is a collab between uh, Imprint and Source that is uh, was actually at their brewery in Philadelphia in Fishtown that is getting ready to open. I know they did like a soft opening uh, about a week or so ago, uh, but they're getting ready to open. As soon as we have the details on that, we will get them to you. But this is the collab between Imprint and uh, Source. Banging IPA, love this hazy, smooth, tropical. I actually had it at Paragon Tap and Table. They ended up getting a keg of this, and it was delicious. Um, followed that up with the Sexual Jams from Brick City. Um, I think I like the variants on Sexual Jams better than I like of the the actual, um, you know, the, the, the starter version of the beer, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, okay, uh, not great. Um, not one of Brick's better ones, and I like a lot of stuff that Brick City does. Uh, Picnic Gale by Source. This was a, a very dry in a good way. Nice hop on this. A nice uh, beer if you're sitting uh, with a bunch of friends having a barbecue, and I'm sure this Labor Day weekend you're enjoying the barbecue with some friends. Maybe you're having a barbecue on Monday uh, for Labor Day. That's a perfect beer for it. And then one of the ones that they did, they did this collab, uh, Source Brewing, with uh, Source and Jersey Freeze. And if you've ever been to Jersey Freeze, it's one of these iconic places in Monmouth County that you have to go to to have ice cream. Um, so they did a vanilla ice cream milkshake IPA. Uh, smooth, creamy, tastes just like a vanilla ice cream. It was delicious. I could not get enough of this. I gave a couple of cans out to friends. I think I still have one can left uh, in the fridge, and I cannot wait to crack one of these open because it is really good. And then while I was in upstate New York um, over at Bethel Woods to see James uh, Taylor and Jackson Brown, I uh, picked up some local beer from Upward Brewing. Uh, their summer beer. It's uh, called Summer Camp Land Beer. Uh, a very, very good uh, Hellas Lager. It's a perfect concert beer, very low ABV, uh, 12-ounce cans, kind of the thing that you want to sip uh, while you're sitting uh, with a bunch of friends. I think it was like 5 5.5% great beer. Uh, bought a four-pack of Funhouse uh, by Wild East, uh, they're one of their uh, German Pilsners, an excellent German Pils, super crushable, um, you know, brought those up for me and a buddy, my uh, my uh, former neighbor, uh, to sit and enjoy while we were in the parking lot. We were not disappointed. It is a great beer. And then when we get into Bethel Woods, their craft beer selection, at first glance, is not that great. You really have to search to find the craft beer uh, at at Bethel Woods, but it's there. You just have to find it. So we started off with a Voodoo Ranger IPA by New Belgium. Eh, nothing special. New Belgium, to me, is so underwhelming from a beer standpoint. And I don't know if it's because uh, it's being made in one location and then shipped to the East Coast, or maybe it's being made on the East Coast and maybe somebody else is doing it. I I don't know. Uh, I've heard things about you go to the actual brewery and the beer is much better than it is uh, in the can and shipped. I I, I don't know. I, I just Everything that I've had from New Belgium, whether it's Fat Tire, uh, whatever they've had, I've not been impressed with. I really have not been impressed with. And, you know, again, maybe it's me. Maybe, um, you know, I drink so much of the local stuff that I kind of get, you know, a, a little snobbish when it comes to the beer. But 
Honestly, I don't think that that's the case because I've had plenty of beer from Trogues, plenty of beer from Stone, plenty of beer from other places uh, and other locations, and the beer tastes great. Founders never have an issue. Um, I think it's a consistency problem. I don't know what it is. But anyway, uh, I did some searching, and I did find the stand uh, that had um, craft beer, local craft beer. So I picked up a Peace Love and Ale by Roscoe Brewing. Solid blonde ale, nice, light, clean, a delicious beer. Uh, it was nice to see they had, I think it was, they had Roscoe, they had Upward, they had, I don't think they had Catskill Brewing, they had Newberg, um, and I think that was it. Maybe there was, there might have been one other, but it was nice to see a local selection of different beers so that you could choose from them. And again, of course, it's a concert, you're going to pay a lot of money for the beer, I get it, but it was nice to see that there was a local selection, you just had to do some digging for it, and you'd find it. Uh, Weldworks had sent me the uh, coffee coconut stout a while ago, and I finally, I was cleaning out my refrigerator, and I found this one in the back of the fridge. Outstanding beer. Creamy, coffee, coconut, so good. Um, Definitely something on a higher ABV level, but definitely something that I could enjoy, uh, you know, one or two, you know, sitting by the fire or relaxing uh, on a Friday or Saturday night. Uh, a great beer. And then I took a couple of days off, had a little staycation, and wouldn't you know it, Magnify makes a beer called Staycation. Uh, nice, sour, slightly tart, not too acidic, uh, a really, really nice beer. I followed it up with a Fortune's Fate pi- a Pineapple and Mango from Forgotten Boardwalk. Nice flavors, very tart, uh, a very decent uh, sour from them. Icarus, which never disappoints me. Uh, Solitude of Galactic Space by Icarus. By the way, Icarus finally got approval to build their brewery in brick. They are going to be moving. They are probably sometime, I think, late next year. Uh, Maybe it'll be the following year, depending on, you know, regulations and things of that nature. Always the state is one of those things that that screws you up with with these types of things. But kudos to Jason uh, Goldstein. I am so proud of him, and I am so happy that um, they are going to be building in brick, which is awesome. They're going to have a great space, much more expanded space, bigger tap room. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Solitude of Galactic Space, bang and double, juicy, smooth. Kudos to Jason and the folks from Icarus. Cannot wait for their new brewery uh, to be open in Brick, New Jersey. They will no longer be in Lakewood. They're moving next door, uh, and they're going to just do fantastic things. I cannot wait. My neighbor, when I was upstate, had given me a four-pack of these extreme sour beers uh, from Artisanal Brew Works. And I have to tell you, uh, this Warhead's Black Cherry Sour Ale tastes like a weak black cherry soda. I was not impressed. I did not like the beer. uh, Was not happy with it. Uh, Probably my dud uh, of the week. And uh, unfortunately, I don't even think I'm going to get through the other cans, the blueberry and the sour apple. I I don't really think. Maybe I'll have a taste of them, but it wasn't that good. Let's face it. Uh, Be More Snowball Tiger's Blood by Heavy Seas. Not bad. Easy drinking. Not, Not really getting any coconut flavor from this but has that kind of strawberry um, hue to it when you pour it. It was, uh, it was tasty, but I just didn't get any coconut out of it. Um, uh, oddly enough, in the can, I had not uh, checked into this beer. Kanaka Maioli Punch uh, by Source. This is like a series of tart ales that they did. Uh, a fantastic beer in the can. It was delicious. I have to thank Kim from Wet Ticket Brewing. Uh, she had given me a couple of beers uh, from Tin Barn and from District 96. I haven't had a chance to crack the District 96 beers yet. Did get a chance to crack one of the Tin Barns over the weekend. Um, this is their Jam Jamboree. Sour, tart, fruity. 
Uh, to be honest with you, as close to perfect as a sour can be for me, it was delicious, this fruited sour. Again, low ABV. Um, definitely going to take a trip up to Tin Barn one of these days uh, and check them out because it was delicious. The folks from Trogue sent me a, a couple of cans of Lucky Holler Hazy IPA, a solid hazy beer. The folks from Trogue's do an amazing job on their beers, and uh, kudos to them, and thanks for sending me the media samples for those. Super Bloom by Source. This is a, a well-done West Coast Imperial-style IPA. A great bite to it. If you see it on tap at Source and you're looking for a change of pace instead of one of those hazy adjunct beers, definitely get it. It is worth the taste. Uh, had a, a full pour of the Visual Cortex VC9. I love their triples. Source does an amazing job on their triples. So smooth, and you would never know that the ABV is 10% or higher. It is fantastic. A delicious beer. Goes down great. Rainbow Sherbert Sour by Collective Arts. Um, all the colors of the rainbow. It's a banging sour. Nice and tart. Loved it a lot. I love a lot of stuff that Collective Arts does. Great Canadian brewing company. Definitely have to check them out. And then finally, a can of Farm Fest Marzen by Source. Actually added on, actually added on tap at Source a couple weeks ago, but now in the can. Uh, perfect night in the backyard to enjoy this. A great beer and perfect as fall is just around the corner. My thanks to everybody involved in the show, as well as my guest, Dave Benfield, the owner of DeClaw Brewing in Maryland, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Tuesday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. Have a great Labor Day, everybody. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody.